Hello and welcome to another new episode of Tony the Movie Guy, the podcast. This week's episode features actor and writer Justin Mooney talking about the films of Stanley Kubrick. Enjoy! Welcome back, everyone. It's Tony the Movie Guy with a brand new episode of Tony the Movie Guy, the podcast. Tony the Movie Guy, the podcast. Hey everyone, it's Tony the Movie Guy. This is a brand new episode. We're going to do one of these special spotlight episodes. I feel very highbrow this evening. And my guest is writer and actor Justin Mooney. Say hey, Justin. Hello. How you doing, man? I'm wonderful. I'm excited to be here. All right. And I'm very excited to have you. It's a great topic, which you chose, my friend. Um, Something I always talk about, um, Hollywood, the L.A. scene that I love is you just get to meet all kinds of cool people. Mm -hmm. I first came across you on the You're Killing Me Smalls podcast with Patrick Renner. And then um, what's kind of cool is I didn't even know this until just recently. My wife and I watched a film called Bad Roomies. Mm -hmm. We've actually seen it twice. It's a great little film, really dark comedy hilarious you wrote that film yes i didn't even know that by the way i wrote it i wrote it and i was part of the producing team and yeah that was uh that was a wild experience to do that it was the i mean it's the obviously the only feature i've done um but uh it 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 always is amazing to me that you know it was on like itunes and it was on netflix yeah man it's a a fun movie right now but it's always wild to me when i like like oh i saw that movie like independent of me telling someone to see that movie people watch it my friend people actually watched it i was like oh that's that's great yeah well not only did we watch it we enjoyed it and we saw it twice happy to hear that and then my wife danny who's the producer of the show is obsessed with the ranch Mm -hmm. and uh, you're on the ranch yes yeah. What's your character on the ranch? I, I played a, a, a character. I guess we've still got 10 more episodes coming out, I guess, early next year. And you're in more uh, of those? Yeah, I'll be in a few more of those. I awesome. was in, I think, 14 episodes overall. I played Officer Wilkerson. <laughs> I played kind of the foil to uh, Ashton's Colt Bennett. Uh, this is a, a show on Netflix this, with uh, Ashton Kutcher. I mean, the cast is just incredible. Yeah, I mean, I started, I had a really funny experience on that show is, you know, I, I grew up in L.A., so I had a lot of friends who were in the industry. Of course. And uh, I had done Bad Roomies and, you know, had, for whatever reason, kind of drifted away from writing. And then uh, I had some friends on the range. They're like, come be a stand-in. See how TV works. See if it's something you want to try and get into. And I was, didn't have a lot going on. I was like, okay. So I, I became a stand-in on the show. And, you know, I had already known Ashton, but I got to, like, Meet Sam Elliott, meet Deborah Winger, and just uh, yeah. um, and Alicia Cuthbert. Oh, Alicia Cuthbert. Uh, Alicia uh, Cuthbert, uh, oh. who's such a lovely person. I love her. That film. and What's I was already friends with hers? Ashton uh, and Danny. Ah, uh, the, the girl next the girl door. Next door. I love that movie. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. Fantastic movie. And she is she is a sweetheart and so talented. And so then I got to as a stand-in, and I had no uh, aspirations of being an actor. Right. Like I did when I was younger. Uh, I didn't by the time I got to the show. I, w- what I was hoping to do was kind of see if I like TV and then maybe work my way into the writer's room. So, But for the first 20 episodes, I was there. I was a stand-in. And it would happen frequently that you know actors would have to miss a rehearsal. So then I would have to step in for them. 
So I would do scenes with like Sam, rehearse scenes with Sam Elliott where I'm like Just I'm holding a shotgun, it. yelling at him, and he's yelling <laughs> at me, and it'd be like, you know, I would have to get, you know, I would I would have to do something so the writers could see if the the scene was working, right? Even though I was like pretending to be Kurtwood Smith, who was Red Foreman on the '70s uh, show. Yeah. So I mean, this is like a. a a very amazing veteran actor yeah. and he's doing a scene with Sam and I'm supposed to now do this justice so it'll work. So it was really fun to do all the different things I got to do. And then as a, like as a kind of a thank you, uh, the sh showrunner Jim Patterson would give all the stand-ins like one line. You get a day of work as an actor, you get, you know, it play in front of this live studio audience, and it was just kind of a, a nice thing. That's right. It's in front of a live studio yeah. audience, right? The ranch was done in front yeah. of the live. About half the scenes were. Wow. Um, and so, but then the rest would get played. So right. you would get get the laughter. So I did the scene, and it was just kind of, uh, it turned into be a little bit of a funny scene because I had one line, but, you know, I'm in a scene with, with Ashton and Danny who are friends of mine. So like at the end they flipped me off and I had like a terrible mustache and, just, <laughs> and it, I flipped them off back. It just was a little funny, almost improv yeah. type of thing that, that played well. Uh, and they wound up keeping it in for the audience playback, but the editors were like for the real show, we're going to take it out, but it wound up staying in. And then uh, I did get uh, started as like a writer's PA and then move up to writer's assistant and got to work in the room. And uh, Ethan Suplee was a, amazing actor Love him. he played the usual cop on the show and he's so funny and such amazing chemistry with with ashton and danny um but he wasn't available for like something and they go well we need a cop and someone was like well mooney played a cop he did okay <laughs> he can hit a joke he just so like fell like, into it okay so then like then whenever there needed to be kind of like bad news i would be the character that's awesome so i wound up doing you know i i i I, you know, worked in the writer's room. I got to do one episode. I actually am credited on, uh, I, I guess, the next, the first episode that would be coming out next year, I'm credited on. That's awesome. And I man. acted in it. And that was the that week that I wrote the episode, acted in the episode, was the week I also got married. Wow. This was earlier this that year. was a good week. It was a real good week for me. So That's anyway, fantastic. yeah, the ranch was amazing. Amazing opportunity. I got to work with such amazing people. Yeah, the ranch or the ranch, as Americans <laughs> like to say. I know. I mean, the cost is phenomenal, yes. but come on, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott is just so great to work with. He's so he's so talented, but he's he's very that naturally dude. That voice, funny. man. Oh, no, the voice is, I mean, to have him just like, you know, Good morning, Mooney. How's it going? Just you get that, and you're just yeah. like, wow, that's just a good morning greeting and craft services. And I've loved him since that Roadhouse. Oh, and, he's ugh. so he's so good, and 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 to be able to work with him every day was was awesome. I miss I he uh, obviously I miss the entire experience. Of yeah, it, but of like course. not getting to see him every day. That was something that was really, really, really special. Yeah, that's really special. Yeah. I love that, too. Well, that's fantastic. I wanted to just kind of, you know, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. I think you've done some real cool stuff. Um, now, for our main uh, topic, yes. uh, every now and then we do a spotlight episode on, like, a director or an actor. And uh, I'm kind of surprised I'm only getting around to this one now. Mm -hmm. uh, you said, let's do Kubrick. Yes. You know, when I said, let's, you know, let's have you on the show, man. You were like, good, let's do Kubrick. Yes, we were at a murder mystery party. We were in costume. <laughs> Just true we were, Hollywood style. We were. Right. <laughs> and uh, and you both said, when are we going to do it? I said, let's do it. What should we do? Let's do Kubrick. Yeah, Stanley Kubrick. Here's what's so fascinating to me about Kubrick. So we're going to go through his entire 
mm-hmm. body of work, which actually isn't that extensive. Yeah. Because he's only made a dozen or so movies. Yeah. Um, over a long career. Oh, over 50-year yeah. period, nearly. You know, and obviously we lost Kubrick in 1999. Yes. Uh, you know, so RIP, there's so much more he could have brought the world. But alone, his, his body of work is among just every masterpiece, every classic of yeah. almost every genre. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when I grew up, Kubrick was always kind of like the highbrow director for me. Yes. And it was in the last decade or so when I really was like, when people said he was the greatest of all time, I was like, it really, is he? And here's part of the reason why I struggled with that. For a while, a big factor for me for films that are classics that will truly stand the test of time is their rewatchability. Mm-hmm. Now, he doesn't necessarily make films you can watch over and over and over, with an exception of a few. Yeah. But there is no denying that he has literally made a masterpiece classic in almost every genre of film. Very few directors you can say that of. Well, not only that, they don't date. And you you watch movies that he's made and you go, oh, that's that makes sense now. Right. Like even oh, – so we'll, ahead we'll of get their to time. this soon yeah. it's one of his earlier movies. And for those few of you who, who have seen Bad Roomies, it is a very dark comedy. Right. My all-time favorite movie is Dr. Strangelove right. or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. A it's classic. I love that movie. It is a very dark comedy. Yeah. You can't get much darker than that as a comedic subject Gentlemen, matter. you can't fight in here. This is the war it's room. so good. <laughs> I mean, come but on. But you, you look at politics. You, you can imagine something like that playing out right now in American politics. Yeah. The divisiveness, the, the, the lying, and just the, the ridiculousness of people in over their head. So, uh, and and that, you know, 2001, we'll look at what we've got going on with artificial intelligence right yeah, now. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, that movie was made over almost 50 years ago? Yeah, it's nuts. Is it 50 years now? Well, 1955 to 2000. Well, I'm saying in 1969, yeah. he made 2001. Right. I think that's- 2019, holy it's shit. It's 50 years. Yeah, and, it's and mind-blowing. It's like, and, and that movie still, uh, were just all of his movies. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's crazy. And also, the other thing about Kubrick is practically every other director you admire mm-hmm. uh, will reference Kubrick yes. as just an inspiration. Even Orson Welles, when Kubrick was a brand new director, said, there's something special about yeah. this kid. He's one of a kind. Yes. You know, and he was right. So uh, this is going to be fun. Uh, we're going to go through all of his movies. Now, okay. I'm not counting his short films. In the early 50s, he did about four short mm-hmm. films. I haven't seen them. Yes. Uh, that's where he kind of went on people's radar. Uh, but we'll go through all of his features. Yes. You ready? I'm ready. Let's excited? do it. Excited? I'm very excited. I, I haven't you. seen... I've seen most, but not all. Well, I'm Tony the movie guy, so, so I've I'm seen leaning them all. on you for this. Yeah, well, full disclosure, there were only two films I hadn't seen of his, so mm-hmm. I did my homework and I watched them just before the it's show. You're a professional. I am a professional. Well, so are you. <laughs> so are you. All right, man, let's do this. So, actually, I just contradicted myself because okay. his first movie is The Killing, mm-hmm. 1955. It's a like black and white film noir. I haven't seen that. Okay. It's like a heist caper movie. Yes. Well, I've I've I have not seen it. I've either. seen the trailer, <laughs> but what I'm what I do understand of that film, and I've and I've read a bit on Kubrick, is that's his most kind of formulaic. Right, of it's all not of his like films. acclaimed. Like, yeah, ooh. I think it was more of a film that he got hired to make as opposed to the movies when he really starts to dive in and take 
10 years to develop a project. Right, exactly. So we'll go right into it. Um, 1957 with, you know, the master actor, Kirk Douglas, Mm -hmm. Paths of Glory, which is considered a war classic. Mm -hmm. So I just saw it last week. Um, Have you seen this film? I have not. Okay. Uh, It's really unique. Okay. It's really unique. It's an anti-war film about war. Um, it's brilliant. And something you just said earlier really resonates. It's so ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. It really is. Um, it's not a feel good movie at all, but it's so ahead of its time. And I was captivated. It's got this long tracking shot, like five minute, like war sequence of mm-hmm. Kirk Douglas just going through these trenches, which is, it's like masterful filmmaking right off the bat, which is what Kubrick's known for. Right. He's just incredible. And then it kind of turns into this courtroom drama because it's about this guy, Kirk Douglas, who takes his troop to, they're supposed to conquer this anthill and it's basically a suicide mission Mm -hmm. and his people are just getting slaughtered so they retreat so then they get like court-martialed and three of his men get put sentenced to death basically as like traitors or treason Mm -hmm. and kirk douglas is trying to like defend them um anyway doesn't end well at all but it's really powerful so it's interesting that that he revisits kind of this two movies in one war genre in yeah. full metal jacket right which, which is we'll another get, which two different i had always known as his movies. war classic yeah and then i saw past the glory it's like holy shit i mean it really is good i mean it's like 99 percent on rotten tomatoes it's already like you know deemed culturally significant and all that stuff you know it's it's a really acclaimed movie and obviously kirk douglas was huge who came back for spartacus that's right but um it's a film very worth watching. It's also like 89 minutes. Oh, okay. One of his shortest movies. So I highly recommend okay, it. Okay, I am going to see that. Okay, good. Then we go right into 1960, Spartacus. Yes. With Kirk Douglas. So you haven't seen Spartacus. I have not seen Spartacus. I am Spartacus. Okay. I've seen parts of Spartacus. Okay. I have not seen the entire film sequentially. Spartacus is an epic. It's like that's like oh, yeah. his, that's like his epic masterpiece. It's Lawrence or Olivia as well, or yeah. Sir Lawrence Olivia, uh, Kirk Douglas, one of his big starring vehicles, and also it's the one that uh, Trumbo Dalton Trumbo mm-hmm. write, wrote the script for. Yes. Remember, he was blacklisted, absolutely, and he wrote the script for this, won the Oscar. Um, man, good movie. Uh, I epic. It's movie. a it's a cl- I I have my movie uh, watching resume is filled with some massive potholes for whatever reason. Mine too, of, I've by missed, the way. I'm sure yours is a lot uh, more full than mine for someone that has written I mean, I go out of my way to watch movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, don't worry. We're going to get into where I start seeing these. I'll be able to contribute oh, a little bit Oh, it's good. More. It's good. Yeah. Well, again, I just like going through the sequence. Um, 1962. Yes. Lolita. Yes. Um, and this is also his first collaboration with Peter Sellers. Right. Who uh, I love that Dr. Strangelove is one of your favorite films. Yeah. It's one of my father's favorite films of all time. And I adore Peter Sellers. I grew up watching his movies. Yeah. All kinds of, all of his Pink Panther. Well, the, the Pink Party. Panther. I mean, he's yeah. one of the most, uh, you know, I loved going back and listening to some of his radio stuff. And, oh, like the so goons good. And the goons. Like, so good. As as, uh, as as a as a as a Brit, you'll know what that oh, means. Absolutely. Most Americans will not um, check it out. His he yeah he. Have you seen Being There as well? Yes. Oh. No his his comedic ability. I mean, I don't even think he's 
he's super famous, super well known. Hmm. Maybe not to this generation, but but earlier generations, like my parents and stuff. And I still think he's underrated. Oh yeah, how well, good he was. And he was lost too soon. And man. when we get and when we get to Doctor Strangelove, we talk about how incredibly underrated he he, he is because how amazing he was in that movie. But now Lolita, he plays a very different character. Well, he plays two characters. Well, yes, yeah. But but we've gotten a you know. When you see the Pink Panther and you see that type of what he does, oh, this is dramatic. This is dramatic, and this yeah. is dark, and this is and this is a, a a real departure from kind of not his entire body of work, but a lot of his work. Yeah. So when Lolita came out in the sixties, it was extremely controversial because oh, yeah. it's about a professor who falls in love with a fourteen-year-old girl. Yeah. Now the funny thing about the movie is the movie isn't really that edgy. In mm-hmm. its content. Right. It's all conceptual. Right. I mean, it's like a PG rated movie, but it's still super uncomfortable and awkward. Um, but for me, the highlight is Peter Sellers. Yes. He's fantastic in that film. Uh, Lilita is worth checking out. It, it's a fantastically constructed drama. Yeah. Um, but it's not a film that I would say I love or I would go back to particularly. It's one of those movies that is. It's excellent to see, and you go, oh, and you experience this movie. But the subject matter's rough. I saw the remake also. I oh, thought the with remake Jeremy with Irons. Jeremy Irons yeah. and Dominique Swain, and I thought that was a really well made. It was movie. well done, actually. Yeah. But it's also one of those movies, like for like an entirely different genre. The movie Seven oh, one is a masterpiece. One of my favorites. So disturbing to watch. I haven't watched it again. See, I saw I, it in the theater. And I, I was watched like, that movie a I lot. Can't, I, it it impacted me so much. I'm I saw like, it with I my father, and we were just. Oh, gobsmacked it it's it's a masterpiece i can't watch it again because it's that good at being disturbing the last line of that film haunts me to this day where he morgan freeman good old morgan freeman with his voiceover says ernest hemingway once said the world is a good place and worth fighting for i agree with the second part Oh. And I'm just like, oh, as the rain's falling, oh, so, Brad Pitt's being taken away. So, oh, my God. Anyway, we do little tangents yeah, here. It's great. It's fine. Um, awesome, man. Well, it's that time. We're yes. up to your favorite film. All-time I love it. Film. So um, this is Dr. Strangelove or otherwise known as. Uh, how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. <laughs> there you go. Um, I mean, Peter Sellers in multiple roles. Yes. Uh, George C. Scott, who I'm a big fan of. Yes. Nineteen sixty. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Nineteen sixty-four. Well. I mean, one of the most irreverent political satires you've ever seen. Yeah. But you're right. It's a film so ahead of its time. It, it, it and it it seemed ahead of its time. I mean, obviously, I wasn't alive when it was made, but right. when I saw it, I was like, oh, it didn't. It didn't feel like it was ahead of its time when I watched it. Right. It now feels like it's ahead of its time. Yeah. Like the longer it's breathed, like yeah. a fine wine, his films it age like a fine yeah, wine. Yeah. It becomes even more so, and I guess maybe that's because of the changing political climate. But right. that's going to be a topic we talk in all those movies of of how interestingly they age. But uh, amazing, you know the the what I loved hearing about, especially as a writer, is he's, he wrote it with Terry Southern. And he wrote it with the the third guy who was the writer of the book Red Alert. And I'm I'm skipping his name right now, and I apologize to him or his estate. You guys Um, can Google it. But uh, they were writing it as a serious movie. Right. It's a serious topic. It actually is. It's it's a nuclear holocaust. It's it's (laughs) they you know a a a rogue. If if you haven't seen the movie, basically a rogue uh, general in fucking Greenland or Canada or whatever goes nuts and like launches. 
on Russia to get Russia to launch on America. And it just it's you know, it takes place over the course of a couple of hours. It's almost in real time. And in that's right. It's in a this, short span yeah, oh, of time. it's a very short span yeah. of time. Uh, and it's almost, you know, you're 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 trying to tell a story that is so horrifying. Yeah. Of what would happen, and as they were writing it, they kept laughing at what would well what would really happen here. And right. They realized once you get to that point, it's it is ridiculous. It's so absurd. It's yeah. so absurd that yeah. you almost can't help but laugh. So then they built a comedy out of this thing, and Peter Sellers plays President, you know, uh, you know, Mervin Mufkin or something like that. <laughs> he plays Doctor Strange Love. Yeah. He plays. Uh, Lieutenant Mandrake, and then he was actually going to play the fourth character, the captain on the plane that was played by Slim Pickens. Oh wow, uh, Major Kong. But I guess he like broke his ankle, wow, and couldn't play the fourth character. Well, he Otherwise, had enough he going played, on, man. <laughs> he would have played all because there were four stories going at once. That's crazy. He would have played all four, but uh, I yeah, it's it's an incredible piece of work, and that ending as well, man. Riding the freaking it's nuke like a bronco. Well, that's know? what I loved about it is they're playing we'll meet again, and that's what I loved about the movie is yeah. it 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 didn't go, and we the world is saved. It oh, kept not at all. taking you going. Some they're going to say they're gonna save the world. They're gonna right. save the world. They're gonna no nope, yeah. world's over. Yeah, I remember my my father sitting me down when I was way too young, probably like <laughs> eight, like you have to watch this. And I didn't know what was going on. So that's why this is a film I have seen a few times because I've come to really appreciate it more because the more I grew up, I actually understood what yeah. was going on because it's a smart movie. Oh, this isn't dumb and dumber. No, it's super smart, but, but, but almost slapstick. Oh, 100%. There's a lot of slapstick but in it. So bitingly, the, scathingly The phone call to the the, the Russian premiere, <laughs> where it's a, it is a one-sided call. You do not hear what he's saying. He, it's literally just Peter Sellers as the president, almost unrecognizable as the president doing this. D- Dimitri, Dimitri, can you turn down the music? Oh, that's good. That's better. <laughs> you know how we've always talked about something going wrong with the bomb. The hydrogen bomb. <laughs> it's so brilliant, yeah. this whole one-sided conversation. And then and then it just goes from there. Yeah. I've always thought acting on a phone when there's like no one on the other, yeah. other end and you, you've got lines, like that takes something. That's like quite intelligent and brilliant to do. Usually they'll put someone on the other end of the line. Right. I had the feeling that with Peter Sellers, he's like, I got this. Yeah. Because he's Peter Sellers, yeah, and it was it was it's one of my like as as a writer and not really as a performer because I'm an accidental performer, but you know to, to see that written and go to see someone execute that is just yeah. like that's why it's my all time favorite for, for so many different reasons. Yeah, I love dark subject matter as a comedy. That's just my thing. I love uh, amazing comedic performances. There are so many in this movie. It's so smart. It's so witty. And then just those little individual nuggets, those little pieces of the movie are just incredible. And that's what's so impressive. And this is truly why Kubrick does deserve to get all the recognition he gets from his peers and be regarded as just one of the greatest filmmakers. He's so early on in his career and he's already made epics like Spartacus, comedy classics like this. 
And then it's almost like he's showing off or he's just taking the <laughs> piss because then you go right into 1968, 2001, A Space Odyssey, Ugh. one of the most acclaimed films of all time, a science fiction classic. Now, I have, I have, I'm not going to say mixed feelings about this movie. Okay. But this is a film for discussion for me. Great. Because I appreciate a lot of, a lot of the artistry, 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 yeah. artistry in this movie. <laughs> um, this is a film that's hard for me to go back and rewatch. Yes. I literally sit and watch 2001 A Space Odyssey and I won't lie. I don't know what the fuck is going on, but man, it is so beautiful to watch. It's, it's so mesmerizing to look at. It's it's. And I've seen it maybe twice. Are you a big fan of 2001? It's not, it's not, uh, it's not high on my Okay, list. so we're probably similar. Yeah. It's, I mean, all of his films are I amazing works. I respect it. I appreciate I it. I appreciated it visually groundbreaking. Right. Um, Again, so ahead of its time. It was so ahead of its time that they started ago. the rumor of that he filmed the moon landing because he did such right, a good right, job Right, right, that's it. right. Um, which we'll talk about when we get to The Shining. <laughs> um, but it... it Visually amazing. The concept of of computers becoming aware. Hmm. How I mean, one how, of the greatest villains. Yeah, it's a which computer. is and, and and you could make that movie now. You could make that exact movie now, and it would be topical and make perfect sense. Right. And people would be like, "Yes, this is still science fiction." Yeah, and we're fifty years, fifty one years ahead of it now. Yeah, and it's, it would be like, yes, we should be afraid of the computers becoming sentient because they kind of are getting there now. Like Skynet, man, we're, we're experiencing that. But, uh, but yeah, not the most rewatchable. Of well, his I mean, you're spending thirty minutes watching apes, you know, yeah. discover what fire or something, or no bones as weapons. Yeah, or, and then there's the, like a big thing, the monolith, the, yeah, which is throughout the movie, and the music is. Absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. I always thought that symphony music was from this film specifically. But, oh. <laughs> but no, he used it for the movie. But like nearly everyone knows that. I'm not the only one. Yeah. They think of that as 2001. Yes. Um, and then the whole ending with the, the baby and the embryo. Again, it's so visually, but I just don't know what's going on. I watched it again for the first time in maybe 10 years, about a year or so ago. And I watched the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is gorgeous. It's beautiful. But it's got these sequences where it just dazzles you. But that's kind of all it does. Yes. So um, now there are people who will swear and live by this movie, who dissect it and adore it and good for them. And yeah. I actually understand why it's acclaimed so much. I do. Yeah. Um, but that rewatchability factor, I struggle with. I've seen it, I think, three times. Yeah. It's 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 a heavy movie. Yeah, well, it's just it's, it's very dense and you just don't really know what's going on. Well, the plot, you know. Well, I think what I, is the and plot? I think and I think where and this you know, he actually doesn't have a ton of movies like this. No. I felt it was harder to engage there wasn't the character that like that you were really like, I'm with. No, it, there you're was right. A, there was a, a, a I didn't it was a movie at an characters. arm's length. Yeah. To me. Howl is very memorable. Every, the music, it, the visuals. It's very memorable, but yeah. the movie felt like it was, it didn't, I, I couldn't be immersed in it. Yeah. And I think that was part of the experience. Right. Of, I guess, but yeah. Yeah. But those visuals of outer space and oh everything, I mean, they hold up today. 
I well, mean, I don't. I don't. Th- I don't. I don't think you have Star Wars. No, absolutely. if you don't, if without this movie, I yeah. mean, I think literally that entire franchise, they they broke ground on how to show right. this genre because before that it was hokey. Yeah, like, that's right. So it's another hokey. That's right. It's another one of Kubrick's films deemed culturally significant, acclaimed. A masterpiece in the sci-fi. We genre. hadn't been so on the moon incredible. yet. We'd only had a f- been I know, in space. Isn't a few that trippy times. to think of? Actually, like Star Wars is like fine. Yeah. We had been to the moon, the whole space program. Right. Like when he made in 1968, which means he probably started prepping this thing in 66, right? Or a couple years. You know, his he, films take a while. So we didn't even have that information. Yeah. So he had to somehow glean this information or get what information he could get from who, like. NASA and the Russians? That's right. That's actually crazy when you think about the time. He's so ahead of his time. And, and yeah. he he knew what space was going to look right. like. And Lucas has said this a thousand times. He made Star Wars as a kid's movie. Yeah. He didn't know it was going to become what it became. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Kubrick was making... I yeah. don't know what he was making, but pretty incredible <laughs> so you have to respect 2001 With, a space course. odyssey and i want to make sure for all my listeners you know I, I it's a film i respect but you know should you grab the nachos you know open a can of beer on a saturday morning and sit down and watch this two and a half hour movie i don't know watch if that's your watch kind of dr thing. strange love instead <laughs> right, if you haven't you seen either watch dr strange love yeah. instead. well watch them all but well yeah 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 exactly okay good so that's 2001 um so this is my personal favorite okay. Kubrick movie i don't know why again i saw this film when i was like 10 years old right uh, i saw is, it way too young as well okay this is 1971 this is uh, a clockwork orange yes um I think this film, it's so weird, it's so disturbing, it's so off the rails, but yet brilliant to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Malcolm McDowell as Alex gives one of the most captivating and best performances ever. He's, it's one of my top like central performances of an actor. I just think he's phenomenal in it. Um, I'm also a huge fan of the book by Anthony Burgess, which I've not read, uh, which I've read. And I was actually mm-hmm. in the play. Oh, and really? I played Alex in a play. Oh my I did gosh, a school that's play awesome. with it. And if, why we were doing a school oh, play yeah, you know. of a clockwork orange. <laughs> I don't know. We did one flew over the cuckoo's nest as well. Oh, and my. I was Jack Nicholson's character. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So before I got into writing, I dabbled in acting, but like you writing, that was actually my, my yeah, forte yeah. screenplays, scripts and, and so on. I do the podcast cause it's mine and I can just say whatever the hell I want. Hell yeah. You know, but, um, uh, I, I love this film. The 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 NADSAT language, mm-hmm. um, that's the language in the book and in the film, uh, just fascinated me to the point where I actually learned a lot of it as a kid. Oh, wow. It's also, it's a Slavic and it's Cockney rhyming slang. Right. Did you know that? It's like a combination of them. Um, and th- this is a film when it came out, it was X-rated in England and it was X-rated in the US as well. Sure. Um also, Singing in the Rain was one of my favorite films with Gene Kelly growing up, <laughs> which got forever scarred because Singing in the Rain is what Alex sings in this film when he's like raping that yep. chick. And then he takes that huge statue of the dildo and kills her with it. And I'm 10 years old. And I'm like, what is going on? It was, I again, I saw it too young as well. But at the same time, it was one of those things of, of I, I, I rewatched it when I was kind of going through my really like learning about cinema phase, right. Um, which we all go through and it's, it's another one of those things of like, how did Kubrick 
like I guess there was always there's always been government interference in yeah. life and wanting to control the citizens and u- using weird ways and then the rebellion that happens because of that and then basically the dance that happens back and forth. That's kind of what I got from the movie. Yeah. Uh, but you know, with a with a obviously a million other things going on as well. Yeah. But it's like, how does he, like again makes. Total sense today. Yeah, it's crazy. The movie could be made today. Yeah, so ahead of its time. So, I mean, this movie, again, this is a film I've seen many times, mm-hmm. even though it's so disturbing. So, uh, Malcolm McDowell, he plays, he's a 16-year-old kid, by the way. That's what he's supposed to be. He looks older, but he's yeah. supposed to be this high school kid in England. It's kind of this weird dystopian future. He's got this gang called the Droogs. Uh, they dress up in these the white look, outfits. The, the look bowler is cap. so oh, iconic. So iconic. It, and some there is some incredible cinematography in this film mm-hmm. as well. Like when they're walking down that alleyway with the silhouettes and the shadows and, you know, doing the little dance. Uh, but he's just a complete scumbag. He's a yes. total psychotic villain, rapes, murders and kills and uh, gets arrested and goes into the system and they brainwash him, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, he gets in the hands of psychiatrists who do all these experiments to the point where when he has a thought, when he has an impure thought, it makes him physically sick. Yep. And then they release him to the world. And he, he goes crazy. He goes insane. And that final line, yes, I'm cured, all right. I mean, it, it's actually it's a film that is so demented and yes. twisted and I mean it's gratuitous in the the violence, the rape, the yes. sex, but so smart, so brilliant, and very thought-provoking. Yes. You're, you're right, with, like, mind control and controlling he people. He doesn't do these movies just to be shocking. Right. There's a point behind them. 100%. And sometimes we don't get the point. His last movie, I think everyone—I didn't get it. I got it about 15 years later. I went, oh, that movie kind of makes sense to me now. See, that's a film we're going to get to. It yeah. that's come up in esteem over the, the oh, years. Oh, yeah. When yeah. it came out— People were like, what? People were like, what, what is this? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think— you know the the reputation of of a uh, of the production of a, of a Stanley Kubrick film doesn't do him any favors of a right. hundred takes yeah. and you know what I mean and, and he's just meticulous <laughs> the, the, the 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 almost you know obsessive meticulousness right makes people go when then they see the movie and they're like it why did this take five years to make why did why did he make Full Metal Jacket released in 1987 and then he doesn't release another film until 1999 right and this is the film. And then 10, 15 years later, you go, okay, well, there's yeah. something more here than just— Because you're going to see that soon. You just yeah. mentioned that. You're going to see big gaps. Right, right now, he's making a movie every few years. Right. Then you'll just start seeing big gaps. I mean, he's Kubrick, so obviously he could. He could do whatever he wanted. Yes. But you're right. No, I think there was always a rhyme or reason. There was always a real purpose, a real message. Uh, that's why Clockwork Orange is a film I will uh, constantly promote and tell people about because it can it can easily sound very off-putting to people mm-hmm. that they won't want to touch it because of its subject matter. Um, and it don't get me wrong, it's a weird, twisted movie, but not difficult to watch. Uh, I like for me, and I at least for me, when he is chasing that girl with a big dildo. No, it's and and like they've cut out her boobs and stuff, and you know, like the. You know, she's got that like. I'm suit the on. guy that thought the end of the world was a funny comedy. So therefore, <laughs> I don't get that's disturbed true. by. I find humor in, in strange things. But no, that I mean, obviously, that's it's a it's a it's a terrifying yeah 
subject matter and disturbing subject matter movie, but I think the way that it's made. And when they're brainwashing him. It makes it— wa- yeah, it they show it's, all those it's pictures awful. of violence and rape, it's and they're, like, awful. brainwashing him. Yeah. But yet you can still watch it. Sure, no. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's my favorite yeah. Kubrick in the, movie. In the hands of someone less, I think it would be— Yeah. I think it would be a tasteless, unwatchable movie. That's what's bizarre about this film. I've seen it about a dozen times. I was like, wow, I've seen this more than any other Kubrick movie because that's what's interesting. Most of his films I've only seen once or a handful, like a few times. And Clockwork Orange I've seen many, many times. (laughs) And it probably has something to do with the fact that, as I said, I was a fan of the book. I studied it. I I did the play. So, you know. Obviously, that's a little bit of a cheat there. But uh, anyway, anyone who hasn't seen A Clockwork Orange, you got to watch that film. It's phenomenal. Um, the fact that it's set in that t- that style and, you know, the clothing and everything of the 60s makes it even more demented. That makes it even more kind of weird. Yeah, it's a weird. Me. It's it's. Oh, it, 70s, 71. No, no, it was made in 71, yeah. but it had a feel of like. Just like 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 a dystopian swing in sixties. Yeah, you know what I yeah. mean. Of like, it was like and they it, drink milk. They go to the milk bars. It's yeah, just like, it, it was like a fucked up Austin Powers. Oh my like, god! It was that that's kind a, of like that's a great. There example. was like the costumes, and there's a there's a, a brightness and an excitement and a vibrance and a, you know. And obviously, this was this was uh, England. Uh, this was like you know London. Yeah like rationing was still going on that's right right it's true yeah like yeah this yeah. was this was like they were still recovering from the war yeah so it wasn't like but there was like this kind of youth movement of an, an excitement and this movie goes okay so let's capture that excitement and the the, the vibrantness and the, and the colors and then just turn it on its head of the the, the cd underbelly yeah. and then what happens when you you know you have these the you know, more or less the psychiatrists or, and and the evil bureaucrats of the government. That's nuts. Who are, uh, but then Malcolm McDowell, he's fucking evil. Oh, he's, yeah, you're rooting nuts. for him. Right. He's the protagonist of the movie. I don't, and you're, and you're with yeah. it 100%. A little bit of the ye old glorious <laughs> ultraviolence, you know, oh, just the way he speaks and the, the eyelashes yes. and the bowl. Ha- I mean, that people still do that on the Halloween oh, costumes, absolutely. outfits. It's incredible. All right. That's Clockwork Orange. So you're right. So now there's like a four or five year gap and we go to uh, Barry Lyndon. Uh, 1975. Uh, okay, this film you haven't seen Barry Lyndon, right? It's the it's yes, it's the only one of his of of once he got into his main run of films that I. Didn't see. So it's okay because full disclosure, I watched it three days ago. Okay, this is a three and a half hour movie. Yes. <laughs> okay, so here's the issue with Barry Lyndon: it's worth watching. Mm-hmm. Um, it it was a slog to get through. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I'd watch it again. However. Um, it's very groundbreaking for its cinematography. Yes. Um, a lot of it is shot in just with candlelight, uh, which is quite incredible. Yeah, they didn't use any uh, artificial light. Yeah. It was which, daylight. Or which you really see. Uh, but then there's uh, some other things it's really known for that I really noticed, which is the long pan shots. Mm-hmm. Apparently, this is one of the first films where it will close in on like a boat and then it was just keeping it will just continue to pan out mm-hmm. to a whole vista or you'll see like a couple of people and it's an entire field and a big battle. And it's pretty groundbreaking when you go, Oh yeah. So now you watch that, they do all kinds of crazy stuff with camera. Right. But back then that was pretty new. And then a lot of the scenes he does are from some famous painter. So yes. there's scenes that literally 
look like a painting. Yes. Um, so that really did stand out to me. Um, Ryan O'Neill, who's an actor I'm not a big fan of, mm -hmm. is the main guy, Barry Lyndon. And it's, it's just this big, long epic. He's this Irish guy, lower class guy who just goes through the war and all kinds of crazy stuff and becomes this big, noble Britishman. And the first half of the movie is his like rise and the second half is his fall. Yeah. Um, not a feel good movie, particularly bit slapstick at times, quite serious at times. It's a little all over the place. Um if you've got three and a half hours to spare, yeah, the <laughs> cinematography um, stood out to me. And that said, I mean, I watched the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I finished it, but I won't lie. I was a bit like, whew, okay. Oh, I mean, no, it's, it, it, and that's one of the reasons I haven't seen it. But, but this is a good time to bring up the fact that, you know, as far as the cinematography, he was an acclaimed photographer before right. he became a director. So, and he would like make his own lenses or have his own lenses. Oh, is that right? Specific lenses made for him. Like his lenses were worth hundreds of thousands of dollars apparently just because he would, because he would go, I need to see this and be able to focus on this in some way. And they would have to like figure out how to, and that's part of the reason things took so long for him to make. Right. They'd have to invent a lens that did not exist. That's crazy. And so his glass was like, uh, you know, I, I guess Kubrick can do that. Yeah. So, so when you're talking about that movie of, of like, he would see things of like, I'm going to make this look like a painting. Yeah. And you, that really, he accomplished that. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. That's there, uh, some gorgeous and a half, shots. I, I will eventually yeah. see it, but it's, a, it's, I would rather rewatch <laughs> the next movie on our list. Yeah. 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 Okay, good. So, um, five years pass again. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so now, I mean, come on, he's done comedy, he's done sci-fi, yes. he's done war. So let's do another, you know, all-out masterpiece classic in the horror genre. Mm -hmm. This film is literally regarded the greatest horror movie of all time, Yes, uh, which is The Shining, yes. 1980. Um, now, look, I love The Shining. Okay. I love The Shining primarily because of Jack Nicholson's performance. Okay. Because he's just so batshit crazy good in it. But the film is brilliant too. Yes. Don't get me wrong. But like what's, the, I'm obviously one flew over Cuckoo's Nest I mentioned. Uh, mm -hmm. Jack Nicholson is one of my favorite actors of all time. Uh, I'm assuming you love The Shining, huh? Yes. Very like much it's not so. my and favorite I don't like horror. horror. Oh, wow. I yeah, don't see, like I'm not a big horror guy either. All. I love okay. this movie. I mean, it's brilliant. Here's I, Johnny. <laughs> it's, it's so good. It's, it's a Stephen King book. Right. Stephen King hates the movie. No, he doesn't. Yes. You don't know this? He hated the oh, movie? Oh, this is a well, well known fact. And if I'm wrong, you guys can kick me in the bollocks. No. This Do you is get, a, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. I want to ask. Do you get like people get angry and get mad at you like on Twitter or anything like that? From uh, this? No, no, I'm a nice guy. I know no, you're a nice no, guy. Sometimes. No, sometimes. <laughs> no, yeah. no. Okay. Actually, I, I read that. No, no. I read this out a few months ago. It's funny you brought that. Someone left me a four-star review. And it was like, he does the worst reviews ever. He has no idea what he's talking about. He's such a twat. His co-host hadn't watched any of the movies. Good <laughs> laugh. Four stars. <laughs> and I posted that. I was like, um, thanks, man. <laughs> it was so funny. Oh, that's so awesome. Uh, um. No, so okay, so I know that they wound up remaking. Well, he he he. The the it's very different from the book, right? So apparently, uh, Stephen King had a real issue with the way they changed Jack Nicholson's character, sure, from the book to the movie. And no, this is uh, I'm almost positive because I, nearly I, all that you're saying nearly it. all of his films he didn't like, other than the Shawshank Redemption, and then he right. loved it, the one right. they just made. But he's never really thought. Um, 
you know the studios have done a good job of this film and the shining which is literally like the most acclaimed one he like openly said he didn't like That's and positive crazy. yeah it's not no, 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 you're right you're right now yeah. that you say that um i just thought it was such an it, it's such an incredible movie he i mean the just visually and the sound and it was yeah. So terrifying. It is so spooky, which is maybe I don't love it as much because I'm not a big horror fan. That, I, that I the hate, old, I the beautiful hate, woman turning into hate the old horror lady. movies. Oh. But the thing of just like fucking little Danny, he's riding on just riding on the big wheel and just he's on the carpet. It's quiet, yeah. and then it gets loud when he gets on the hardwood, and then quiet again. And it's just like that is terrifying. It just goes on and on as well. And then yeah. he just turns, and then there's the two twin girls, yeah. and it's just like oh my god. Uh, play with us, Danny. Now, did you ever see the this documentary? Is what was really fun, the, the Room oh. 237. Oh, yeah. So, and like those behind the scenes of Jack Nicholson warming up, smacking himself, okay, no, slapping so himself. Okay, off. so yes, there was that on the DVD. There was like this, the, the, uh, his, uh, Kubrick's wife made like a little, right, like a featurette on it. That was amazing of yeah. where they're like, they're ready for you, Jack. And he brushes his teeth and he yeah. goes like into the camera. He's, uh. This is a tip, you know. And you go, oh, he's like laughing and joking. And then he gets to the thing and they're like, okay. And they shot that, I, I heard today, uh, 60 Doors. Six zero. Oh, smashing 60 they doors. They had to rehang with the, with the 60 axe. doors. Oh so when you're God. watching him do this, he had to do this. And then he would go down to his dressing room and they'd reset oh and rehang the door. Yeah, because that and he'd whole have to come back and get into it again. Leading up to him breaking through the door is incredible. Up the stairs and oh, that, oh, oh my god, what's the actress Shelley Duvall? Yes, because apparently Kubrick like drove her crazy. Yes. like she had a mental breakdown because of how he like just pressured her so much. Another but fun fact: I listened. I, 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 oh my god. I happened to listen to. Uh, a movie podcast today called The Rewatchables. Oh yeah, I watched uh, which, yeah. which I, I, I love, and I listened to, and they it was on The Shining. So I I have a couple of fun facts on The Shining, but I guess right after that, everyone was like, "Yes, it ruined her." Right after this, she went immediately from this to Popeye, isn't that and crazy? played olive oil <laughs> on Popeye? Yeah, with Robin Williams. With Robin Williams, oh, which God. was like, oh, really? okay. That, I mean, can you imagine that shift? Yeah, that would but, be crazy. Um, the it, it was I don't know I. Not a particular. Not that I'm not a Stephen King fan. I'm just not a horror movie right. guy. Uh, his books have been the books that I have read. I've enjoyed. Uh, I love. I love Jack Nicholson. Um, it, this is a kind of movie that I shouldn't like. Right. But for some reason, I really, really did, and I think it was because it was kind of hard. To, like, there's the basic horror, like. He's crazy. He's going to kill them. Will he kill them? Will they get away? And then there's like the eight different levels of, wait, is he from the past? Is he right? That he final always been here. Is so soul crazy here? Yeah. He early in the movie goes, I'd, I'd sell my soul for a glass of beer. Yeah. Is that the, is that the moment that he's like, it's so interesting. And then the documentary two, three, seven, where they're like, is th they present evidence and it's all bullshit, but they, present evidence of like this is Kubrick uh confessing to shooting the moon landing oh god or yeah. or this is uh just like different things that this is why would about. they think it's got to do with him confessing to the moon landing though well you know that I, I've think heard that, that he yeah, yeah I've heard landing. that whole scandal yeah. so then in this document so you haven't seen documentary I, I've seen it but I've seen it years ago 
where it that's yeah. what it talks about. It's yeah. like when the when he's like interviewing for the job, like on the guy's desk, is this like on one side of his like an oh, eagle, yeah, 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 and yeah. on the other side it's an American. Like, and that means this, and this means that. It's crazy. It does. It's it's it's. Right. If you're a really big fan of the movie and a really big fan of Kubrick, it's fun to watch just the crazy. Oh, I'll theories. check it out. I did documentaries yeah. some months ago, and that was on my list, and I didn't get to it. Oh, uh, it's it's yeah. it's a well done. It's all I don't I don't believe hardly any of it. But it's still fun to watch. Right. Fascinating. So yeah, I think I think an incredible movie. I think just way, way uh, another one that was way ahead of its time. I know yeah. it sound like a broken record right now. No, but it's so true. And, and yeah. one of the best. I mean, I think part of the thing is is when Kubrick does a horror movie, well, he gets the best actors giving the best performances. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Shelley Duvall in the seventies was just like she's coming off Annie Hall where she had the small part, but was amazing. Right. Uh, in then she does this, you have Jack. Uh, and then even all the bit characters were just unbelievable. Yeah. And the kid, the kid was fantastic. Know. And then just, you're right. The, the set pieces as well, the, just the, the hotel, like, cause that's so the overlook hotel is so famous yes. now, you know, and just, it's so creepy. Red rum, red rum. Oh, it just, the, the blood. I mean, it's so iconic. The blood. Oh, there's so many the, iconic. Out of the elevator. The down two the hallway, girls. The two girls. The, 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 the weird guy in the bear costume. Oh, the, yeah. The, the blowjob thing. <laughs> the weird lady in the bathtub. Just all of these things are just, the, I mean, the, 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 the maze. At the end, and him frozen, just like Jack Nicholson, so all frozen good. and fucked up. Oh. So good. And now they're doing a sequel, Doctor Sleep, with Ewan McGregor. Have you yes. heard about that? Which, I mean, and I love Ewan McGregor, but I'm years like, later, let's but... not. I mean, I don't know. I, I always worry about these sequels. It's just like, it's just, why don't you just reissue this movie in the theaters? I yeah. would go see well, this. Well, I think the they do. I mean, again, it's such a it's such an acclaimed film. Yeah. It's so iconic. But not um, one of your, but. but It's not one of my favorite, but it's because of the okay. reason you said horror is not my yeah. thing. Like I, there's a few, uh, it's funny because my co-host Miss Money, any, she gives me a hard time about this. Cause I'm always like, I'm not big on horror. Yeah. And then I can rattle off a lot of horror movies. Yeah. Well, you guys just did the podcast before this was, right, the, was the final girl on horror movies. Yeah. Although it was a Halloween episode. So. I guess what I mean is like some of my all time favorite movies. When I look at like my top 100 list, which mm-hmm. I have, there's very few horror films on there. Like 28 days later is okay. a, a horror movie. I will watch over and over is and Exorcist over again. Done? No. Have you no. seen The Exorcist? Yes. And that's a whole story because I tried watching The Exorcist about 15 times until about four or five years ago. And I was like, you know, come on, man. You, what, you up. just couldn't get through? I what are you talking about? I couldn't get through the first half because the first half of that film is so boring. And what? the second half is batshit crazy. Yes. I loved the second half. But the first, that is a, it's only a two hour film. It's not actually super long. No. But the first half is very slow, you know. Oh, it's a slow burn. Very slow. But, and then <laughs> it's, it's too just, slow for you. Oh, hell breaks yes, loose. Yes, literally. So, so when I finally did that, I was like, God damn it. You know, I, like I love the second half. Those but, are, I mean, I think The Shining and, and, and The Exorcist are the, like the two horror movies. Well, I'm probably a bit more contemporary when it comes to horror. Army of Darkness. I love Army of Darkness. But man. I haven't, I didn't, I went, <laughs> I Army of Darkness, that, and yeah. there's one other. I mean, would Ash. You, would you, con- that's, would you consider that a horror movie? Well, 
See, Evil, Evil Dead, Dead's Evil Dead movie. 2, Army of Darkness is like comedy horror. Okay. But it's awesome. It still counts. It does. I, I love it. I love that whole series. It's freaking awesome. They did a TV show as well. I know. Ash vs. the Evil Dead. It was actually pretty good. Oh, really? Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, anyway, we digress. But um, no, look, I mean, The Shining's fantastic. I It's a film I need to watch more. I saw it about uh, our friend, she, every year. She does screenings of horror movies mm-hmm. uh, on um, Halloween. I almost said Valentine's Day. Um, <laughs> and The Shining is her favorite horror movie. So I've watched it twice with her and I've seen it a few times. I need to go back to it again. I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. It's just, I, I don't know what it is. And I, I mean, it's also just so unsettling because Jack Nicholson is so damn good in yes. that film. And again, he's the protagonist. Yes. And then... Well, until nuts. he's not. Right. And then which is a fun way to do insane. the movie right. where you realize at a certain point. But you're following him, his yes. character. I mean, the kid somewhat, but he yeah. is the main driving thrust of the film. Yes. Anyway, it, it, it's a classic. I totally understand why it's on top of every, you know, horror classic movie list. It, it deserves it. So, okay, good. that's The Shining. Let's move on. So you're right. He didn't make a movie for like eight years, mm-hmm. seven years after this. So um, 1987 full metal jacket so this is my second favorite kubrick film this is my second favorite kubrick film as well so clockwork orange and full metal jacket when i look back are the two films i've watched maybe a dozen times yes i've seen them a lot yes and i couldn't say that about any of his other movies i fucking love this movie it's It's so so good. good um it's also two movies yes um and again this is a film that I love the direction, but I won't lie. Fucking Vincent D'Onofrio as Pyle. Goma Pyle. The first hour, just the training camp. Yes. It's his story. And then it just goes batshit crazy. And the second half is just full on Vietnam War. The first half actually, which is kind of crazy when you think about it, because the second half is nonstop action, explosions, violence. The first half trumps that by light years for me. Because, and Matthew Modine, is actually great in this Joker. He's fantastic. Who's like the main guy, but D'Onofrio just, and again, it's one of those greatest all time performances. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, And the direction from Kubrick is incredible. And Arlie Ermey as the what? Arlie Ermey as the the drill sergeant. Yes. He was a real drill sergeant. Yes. He was a real, (laughs) he got an Oscar nomination for this movie. He was a real, and he he was, was, I don't even, if I recall correctly, he was like not even casted in it immediately. No, he wasn't an actor. He was, he was there to give advice. Uh, He was a consultant and Kubrick was so impressed with him. He cast him and he got Oscar nominated. He was in Seven as well. Oh yeah, he was in, I mean, he built a a whole career off of this and is, was fantastic in this movie and his, I mean his, that scene where he goes around and just eviscerates the guys. Oh my God. Is so unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's so, so good. good. It's so and again, a common thread, something that is ter- terrifying to an extent. Yeah. Yet so funny. Right. Like finding the humor in this. But again, <laughs> this is one where you're watching from the outside going, this is I'm glad it's not funny when it's happening to you, <laughs> right. but it's very funny to watch it. Yeah. So um, and then, yes, the the second half of the movie 
is insane. It's insane, and it's this whole other. Me thing. love you long time. Me love I mean you that. Yeah. I mean, again, quotable movie. It's, so it doesn't iconic. get credit for being having these quotable Which movies. His films are very very quotable. Red oh, yeah. rum, red rum. I mean, come on, so much. Yeah, gentlemen, you can't fight in the war room. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's incredible. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, D'Onofrio, mm-hmm. like when they beat him with the 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 bath. Yeah. Uh, soaps in their like blank in or, their pillowcases. Yeah. That's right. That whole sequence, and then I mean, spoilers. This film's like twenty five, thirty years. Yeah, at this point, it's if you haven't. He's seen it. in the bathroom and he kills the the, the sergeant. Yeah, and just that 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 evil glare on his face. Yeah, that he gives Joker, and then he blows his own head off. Yeah, that look on his face. Even that shot is very iconic. Yeah, so good, and one of the coolest posters ever by the way yes. so it's 2001 actually but um you know like every college guy apparently had those posters on their wall um phenomenal movie and then yeah it goes right into the war and actually it's got a supporting cast one of the baldwin brothers is in that film he's actually really good i think it's oh, adam it's adam baldwin oh really the, the big tough one you know oh that's right yeah, yeah that's he's right he's really good in this and he overdoes the blood in in a full metal ja- jacket that it's almost comical. I don't know if it was intentional or not mm-hmm. because when they get when people get shot, I mean he must have had like hundred sack pound bags oh, yeah. of blood. They just explode. Well, in in watching it, I think you can tell that he didn't like war, uh, of course, and yeah. therefore made made it look as bad as possible. And it's terrifying and gory and, and and it is like you know I mean I I haven't been but it I'm sure it is like that right I, I mean I don't think you bleed like that I yeah think yeah you yeah. just kind of go and you go down yeah I don't want to yeah. find out but, but uh, no I I think that 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 was a movie I mean, it was interesting because it came out right after Platoon that's right which was incredible which as well is, and, and you know the Oscars and then and and obviously you know Platoon probably took like two years to make this probably took. He probably was developing Eight this years, thing yeah. from the war. He was probably start. He probably started yeah, on he this. He takes his sweet when, ass time when he was doing Barry Lyndon. Yeah, you know? and again, this is what's so incredible because Full Metal Jacket is on at the top of nearly every classic war movie yeah. list. Another Kubrick. Yeah, and it really is a damn good movie. It's also a film that's really about nothing. I mean, that whole the first half is you know focused on Pyle and Joker and everyone going through their training. Yeah, but then the the storyline and the when they go to Nam in the war is just with the insanity of war. And I think there's no the resolution. Po- I think, yeah, exactly. I think the first part of it is the insanity of war, right? It's you're breaking, you're taking human beings, breaking, you're them breaking them war. down. Yeah. And then you're sending them to war to fight for, for they don't know wars. why they're fighting. Yeah. They, they don't really know what they're doing. They're just trying to stay alive by killing someone else. Yeah. And I think that was his stance on war. I think that kind of, that's what I got from it. That's what came across yeah, to me. Yeah, and it was so haunting to me as a kid that the sniper that they finally got at the end of the movie that's taking them all out, it's just this little girl. Yeah. You know, and they they like they shoot her and she's just lying there like, kill me, kill me. I'm like, there's, Jesus Christ. There's an aspect of starting with, and, and bearing in mind I haven't seen every single one of his movies, but I've seen, I guess. You've seen the best. I've seen the majority of them. Yeah. There are, in almost every single one of his movies, an aspect of horror to them. Oh yeah. Whether they're whether there is it, it done in a traditional way, but it's like the end of the world, or the machines are taking over, or the government is taking over, or 
you know, that that the hotel is taking over yeah. or, you know, the, the, the war machine is taking, it's like all of these things are like, it, it's an interest. I was thinking when I was driving over and I was thinking of the movies, I was like, there is an aspect. He, he's not the most uplifting filmmaker. Right. He's not, which is where you got that rewatchability factor, right. but, but man, you can't deny on, the artist. His comments on, on society are very dark and they're very, they, they have, the feeling of horror movies. It's true. He hasn't actually made a single feel-good movie at all. <laughs> no. Well, we should watch kind the first of, one and see. That's life. Well, it's called <laughs> The Killing. <laughs> oh, maybe it's a light, maybe it's a, like a film noir like musical. fluffy comedy. Yeah. Know. Who knows? No, but I mean, his films are real. They're real. I his mean, even closest, 2001. His closest thing yeah. to an uplifting movie ends with the nuclear bomb. I was going to say, end of the Doctor world. Strangelove. And that's the, and that's the most uplifting movie. <laughs> the apocalypse. Movie. <laughs> That's insane. Well, I, I love that we both share the same yes. top two favorites. Yes. So that's great. Yeah. What's your third favorite? Oh, well, actually, no. Mine, because uh, yours, the first one is The no, Shining. No, no. no, my first one is Dr. Strange, Strange Love, Love, then Full, Full Metal, Metal Jacket, Jacket, and then You what? go, you go. So I'm Clockwork, Clockwork Orange, Full Metal Jacket, and The Shining. Is your third favorite is The Shining? I think so, yeah. Because I've seen, oh, I think so. What is my third favorite? I think so. Then it's probably Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange Love does hold a dear place in my heart because I remember my my yeah. father like sit down and watch the sun. <laughs> I had no idea <laughs> what I was watching, and I love Peter Sellers. But see, I, I won't lie. I love Peter Sellers in Lolita. I, I sure. love him as yeah. a slapstick like uh, psychiatrist. Yeah, and, like the dual roles he plays in that. Although the film isn't the best, but I, I think he's just phenomenal in that. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think it's. But see, that, that that's what's weird. Like 2001, I respect so much because it's so dazzling and yeah. beautiful to look at. But I don't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah, I would say, I'm trying to think of what my third favorite is. It would either be The Shining or it would be well, Clockwork. Well, or we'll it would be the next one we're yeah. about to talk we'll about. We'll recap it at the end. Okay. I like kind of, we'll, we'll do our top three. And okay. So mull it over and we can decide at the end of the episode. Okay, good. So that's um, Full Metal Jacket absolute classic um so th yeah this is crazy so he waited 12 years mm -hmm. before releasing another movie 12 mm -hmm. years 1999 his final film was uh, eyes wide shut mm -hmm. with uh, tom cruise and nickel kidman uh who at the time were arguably the, the greatest they were the biggest stars in the world in the world yes um and they actually cruise and kidman actually moved to England. Yes. And this film was notorious because it was one of the longest films at yeah, took for that like time. Almost two years or something. Three like years. Almost three years. Oh like he God. moved there with his entire family. Um it is weird circumstance. I got to meet uh Tom Cruise when he was filming that in really? London. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was working with some people and they they were working for him and he drove down in like this gorgeous like freaking Jaguar and we had to change his tire and me and a friend like we, they stayed overnight in this place we were at and we, i got we got to make him cookies tom <laughs> cruise was like man these cookies were great i want the recipe it was a whole oh, that's awesome. side story like 20 years ago so this was shot at pinewood studios yeah 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 okay yeah so um i don't know if people know this i, I think it's well known but like cruise and kubrick ha formed like almost like a father and son bond mm -hmm. They became extremely close. Uh, he loved the, the children and like it was, 
you know, they were very, very, very close making this film. And this is like a psychosexual erotic thriller. And again, you're right. This is a movie that was just, it was well ahead of its time. And then obviously Kidman and Cruz broke up afterwards. So there was all this controversy surrounding that. Um, And then over the years, because when it came out, it it was still successful uh, financially wise. Critics didn't really know what to think about it. Now it's esteemed. That's what's interesting. Nearly all of his films, even if at the time they weren't well regarded, like Barry Lyndon is now regarded as one of his best at the time. People like, "Hmm." same with Eyes Wide Shut. Now people, critics go back and they they think this film's phenomenal. What do you think? Okay. So when I saw it, I was very excited to see it. This was when I was really, you know, going through my, like, I think... I was just in film school mm-hmm. at the time, so I was very much into like I got to see all the Woody Allen movies and I got to see all the Kubrick movies, and I and I really gravitated to Kubrick just because I'd been such a huge fan of Doctor Strange. Love he's just on such a grander, yeah, grander scale. To and, me. and I enjoy, I I I enjoy, you know, the the, the his almost weird comedic take on yeah. terrible subject matter, right? Um, which says terrible things about me, but whatever. <laughs> um, when this movie came out, I wanted to love it. I didn't get it. Right. Me I don't too. think I, I saw was, it in the I, theater. I, 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 I think I was like 21 or 22 when it came I mean, out. That's I just... think I was too young to understand it. I wasn't, I think you needed to be an adult and, and have gone through some life experience and gone through some, some relationship experience. Right. Let's, let's just say one thing now off the cuff. Yeah. Everyone talked about the two-minute orgy scene at the time. That's kind of what sure. it was known yes, for. Yes, yes. But this, you know, and, you know, I went back and watched that a few times. I won't lie, but it was so much more than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's, again, visually stunning. I love Sidney Pollock in the movie. Yeah. I loved him so much. I yeah. thought he was unbelievable in this movie. Yeah. He directed Cruise in The Firm. That's right. Yeah, in the 90s. Um, yeah. And so to, to watch this, like— I, I I watched it again. I don't know, probably like five or six years ago. Mm. Um, and like the orgy scene is like it's almost like it's a visually interesting scene, right? But it's like obviously when I was twenty one, it's like ooh orgy scene, right? And I watch it when I'm thirty four, thirty five years especially old, especially now with the internet. I'm like, okay, yeah, it's like you right, have whatever. The internet then now it's like, whew. but I had gone through life as a man yes. by this point or as an adult, and I'm sure women could kind of see this movie from their own view, and you kind of start to understand the point of it. Yeah. And you understand what the, the Tom Cruise character is, 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 is trying to find an identity that he doesn't right. have or that he wants. And it's about obsession, love, all of, the, all of those things. Yeah. Like what are those things yeah. to someone? Yeah. And obviously this is a bizarre kind of New York ish. Everything's at night ish kind yeah. of, you know, someone that's kind of sheltered. Mm. has kind of sheltered himself and is trying to unshelter himself and doesn't really know what he's doing and is trying to find an answer to a question he's not even sure what he's asking. Right. And made no sense to me. Yeah. And then now, I don't even know if I can articulate it perfectly well, but at least I kind of, I I understand the questions it's asking more. Yeah. And I I may not have the answers, but that's what I I love about all of his movies because they are all like that. I could watch probably any of the movies we've talked about and I could probably get something new from it yeah. and find a new layer. They have that I layers, thinking for it. sure. And I think that's why it took him so long to make movies. I think he was very, very careful about crafting things and why he was such a perfectionist, but I don't think things happen by accident with him. Yeah. Well, that's what's interesting about Eyes Wide Shut is the film in itself seems so 
simplistic. Yeah. It was marketed badly because it was all Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman. Oh, I mean, I remember the poster. It just yeah. said like Cruise, Kidman, Kubrick. Kubrick. Yeah. In huge kind of like cyan letters on a dark blue background. Right. And then had kind of like a sexy cropped in photo below. And that was it. And it's yeah. like, okay, well. We're going to see it because they're in it. Yeah. And that was it. But Cruz is actually brilliant in this. Yes. And I'm not a huge fan of Kidman. She is fantastic in this movie. Yes. I think the acting is terrific. And you're right. The film is really, you know, they're this, you know, ritzy, gorgeous young couple, really successful, you know, and they're smoking weed one night and she tells him that she was unfaithful to him. Yeah. And then he goes off into this odyssey trying to like cheat on her and figure yeah. out what to do and it's not really about anything else and then yeah you get these weird orgies and underground you know cults and stuff but um it's a fascinating film and i think a really well acted film yes the, the music is phenomenal in that film as well because i have revisited it and over the years i'm like okay i can actually appreciate it but do i go back to it and you know kick back a you know a beer and <laughs> enjoy it no but it's it's a very well-made film. See, and I, and I feel, and also because of some of the other performances. It just, Sydney Pollack is great. Sydney Pollack is great. Yeah. I believe her. Uh, the blonde girl, the young blonde. God, what's her name? Was it Jenna Malone? No, but that's who I'm thinking of. It's one of those actresses like her who kind of came and went. And I haven't really seen her in much else. I know it's funny because yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly who you're talking um, about. Just, it's actually a rewatchable. Like I haven't seen it in a while, and yeah. it's also tricky now because now because we have Netflix and we have Hulu and we right. have all of these so things. When we want to watch a movie, we decide the movie we want to watch, and then we watch it. Right. Whereas before, you would flip on HBO. What's on? Right. Oh, this is on halfway through. Great. I'll continue. Yeah. Or you try and it. make your mind up out of a hundred choices. <laughs> sure, but you would see things that were. Yeah. Now it's like. You dedicate and you watch a movie all the way through. You don't you don't flip around and flipping through channels and find something. So I, but this is a movie that what would appear from time to time, you know, ten twelve years ago, when I would and I would watch it, and it's I find it very watchable. Hmm. I think from a visual standpoint, the the music is it's so engaging. Yeah, it's brilliantly done. it, It pulls you in. Every aspect of it is great, and I think because it was kind of Kubrick's unfinished final symphony. I know he died, what, like six? Six days later. Yeah. yeah. Six Six days. days after shooting it? After its release. After its release? Yeah. I thought he died. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk about the next final one, which I put on this list. Oh, let's go. You know, which he didn't direct. Okay. Which was Artificial Intelligence. Have you seen Artificial Intelligence? Uh, yes. Okay, so Steven Spielberg and Kubrick were like very, very close. Mm-hmm. Um, he was... They, they were best friends. Yeah, and um, uh, Spielberg worshipped Kubrick. He considered him the greatest director of all time. And um, he, had this, he had this this film as his next movie, um, which he was going to produce. So Haley Joel Osment coming hot off of Sixth Sense. Yeah. Uh, Jude Law, who had just blown up with the talented Mr. Ripley, who's phenomenal in, and what year in artificial was, was intelligence, AI? came out in 2001. So Spielberg finished it, directed it. It's actually his movie, yeah. but it's based on a lot of started production, even sets, scripts, and the story from Kubrick. So when you watch it, it feels a bit disjointed. Yeah. It's Kubrickan 
but it's got that Spielberg like blockbuster pizzazz. And then what's amazing is yeah. it came out in 2001, so how fast yeah, Spielberg see? works. Whereas if Kubrick did it, it, it would have come, come out 2000. It would have oh, come out today, yeah. <laughs> yesterday. Exactly. You know? um, have you? But you've seen Artificial. I have. I mean, many, yeah. many, many years ago. Yeah. I like that movie. I've yeah. seen it a few times. I rem- good. Now that you say that, I do remember that. But obviously, yeah. it was a long time. It was almost 20 years ago. Yeah, well, that's it. We finished his whole body of work, which is pretty crazy. And so that's 12 feature films. That's wow. it. Isn't that crazy? He only did 12 feature films over almost 50 years. That's incredible. That's insane. I actually thought it was more than that, but it's 12. That's nuts. Okay, good. So top three. <sighs> well, Dr. Strangelove, that's a, number your, one. So that's, that's your given. favorite film of all time. Favorite film of all I, time. I love that, by the way. Uh, full Metal Jacket. Okay. Uh, gosh. I have to look one more time. <laughs> I'm going to go Shining. Okay. I'm going to go The Shining is my third favorite film. Yeah, I'm Clockwork Orange, Full Metal Jacket, and then The Shining. Just, I love Jack Nicholson in that yes. movie so much. And it is spooky as balls, which is the only reason why it's kind of a bit down yeah. for me because that, I'm not a horror guy. No, it's a difficult... It's a. It's a difficult watch. What I, I mean, what's amazing about it is like, okay, when he, when he, when he puts the axe in Scatman Crothers. Yeah. So you rewatch the movie. You know it's going to happen. Yeah. You know exactly when it's going to happen. Yeah. He's walking down. He's going to get to the last pillar, and Jack is going to jump out and put the axe into him, and it still scares the shit out of you yeah. every single time because I don't know how he edited it. Yeah. And I've done the, you know, the film school kids slow mo of frame by frame of where did he hide him how did he do it yeah and it's 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 that beautiful old lady in the tub who then oh turns God, into the well so... the beautiful young lady then turns into the old haggard oh that so, creeps me out man so good so hold on going back to the shining yeah. real quick yes. we're almost done because you mentioned it that final frame of yes. the, the, what, 1920s? And there's yes. Jack Nock. What the hell does that mean? It's so weird and spooky. What's so, your theory? Because oh it's open-ended, right? I mean, well, it's Kubrick has said he doesn't want to explain it because he wants to leave it to people's imaginations. I think, I mean, there not there a line, you've always been here? I think it's a Maybe, thing. I don't know. I think it's a thing of, of. It's so weird. I think it's the thing of that he'd been there before. Right. And he came back. Yeah. And he's like stuck in a cycle or something. And maybe know. it's, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe in in reality, we're watching it. He looks like he thinks he looks, but maybe he doesn't look that way. Maybe he's a different person. But spiritually, he's, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That, and and, and I, li- I like that I don't know. Yeah, if no, I, that's why. I up with a bow, I probably yeah. wouldn't like it as much. Yeah. What would you have loved? Because obviously we lost Kubrick too yes. soon. I mean, it's not like he was super young. I think he was like, what, late 60s, maybe even 70 or something. Yeah, he wasn't. Yeah. He... Yeah. But um, what would you have loved to see Kubrick have done? Like a good Western? Because then he'd have done every... A Western and then I think he'd have done every genre. Yeah, I think... It's I the think... only genre he hasn't done. I think a Western, but then... Or I, gangster. I... No, he did do gangster. Because the killing is apparently yeah. like gangster. I, I, he obviously had the desire to go to the sci-fi direction. Yeah. I would have liked to see him further kind of revisit. Because obviously he did to 2001. To a sci-fi we really understand. And then he, went to, <laughs> and then he was going to do AI. Right. I would have really liked to see 
a, a more modern take, not that this movie feels unmodern in any way, of A Clockwork Orange. Yeah. I would have liked to see the logical progression in yeah. his mind of where that kind of movie goes, of of his take on society. I would love, 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 love to see what he would think of society right now because he died before the iPhone. Yeah. Uh, his, just, just with the internet exploding. Yeah, yeah. He, he didn't the have the internet. Age, he didn't yeah. have even... Even AI isn't really today. Right. Because now AI is real. Right. It's, well, AI is absolutely crazy. real. I mean, you see I, these YouTube videos, right? Oh, I walk into my house and I go, hey, hey Alexa, you know, right. where's my stuff? Oh, your package is on its way. Great. Uh, what's the weather going to be like tomorrow? What's the score of the Bears game? Like, I ask it questions and I know it's recording me. And I know it's sending everything That's I say to so Jeff Bezos. Spooky. See, I won't and do that. <laughs> I, I've just, I've given up to a but certain I have an extent. iPhone. So. Yeah, yeah, it's recording. I, I, I erased the Facebook app. That's nuts. Like that's going to do something. Yeah. But um, I would have liked to see him tackle. I would have loved to see his take on, on today. Yeah. That said, I don't know that I would understand his take on today right. for another 15 years. Yeah. But I think... That's, you know, I, I guess society is always, obviously society is always changing. I feel like the changes of the last 15 years with the advent of the internet, like, you know, there wasn't huge innovations in things yeah. until the last 15 years, I feel. Like yeah. really with the iPhone or with smartphones and the internet and how it's like it's part of our life and we can't really escape it. Yeah, like we're addicted. Well, we're addicted. Well, we're now. not only addicted. We're um, we're captive. Right. We're I, mean, I can't live without my right. phone. It's we're, ridiculous. We're it, you know it was it was a really funny thing of like, I was talking to my wife about this of, fifteen years ago when you left work you left work, even five years ago for yeah. the most part when you left work, now it's all. I mean, we both have our phones yeah. out. My my world yeah. is on my phone. Yeah, we my, both my have work, our phones out. My finances. Play everything. Yeah, you're right. It's it's nuts. So that not really. A, I wouldn't want to see a Kubrick movie about phones, but just right. about the fact of of being trapped by not technology becoming smarter than us, but almost like us giving into. Yeah, that would be fascinating. We've given into through the eyes. We have of submitted to technology. We've actually given into it as opposed to it taking over. Yeah. All right, man. This was awesome. So just to cap it off, then. Okay. I mean. I think you and I both agree that Kubrick is one of the most groundbreaking directors. Um, where would you rank him, though? Because he's not my favorite. Okay. But now I can't deny I'd have to put him in my top 10, top 20. Um, but where would you put him? You know, now, again, full disclosure, this is spotlight on Kubrick. So yes. We're still saying he's a damn genius. Oh, yeah, yeah, But yeah. I'm just saying, you know. <sighs> wow. Do you consider uh, him your greatest? Is he in your top five? I would, I, would, I will definitely put him in my top five. Okay. I'm trying to think of who I would put ahead of him. Spielberg is my number one. I, I, and I, just, can't, I, grew I up can't argue him. with that. I'll tell you a fun, since, we're, since this is an industry-centric thing. When I was seven, mm -hmm. I, did, I acted. I just moved to L.A. And I, my very brief acting career as a child, I was on a TV show called Amazing Stories. Oh, I... Okay, so I IMDb'd yeah. that, and your that's what was so it threw me off because yeah. you had done like Bad Roomies, and then like thirty years ago, yep. Amazing Stories. So I, Spielberg was involved in that. I was like, is he was that the a typo? He was the executive producer. I did. So a, you did do that. I did an episode called The Greeble with Haley Mills, 
who was in the original Parent Trap and wow. was also on uh, Saved by the Bell uh-huh. as one of the teachers. Um, and it was basically then one other character actor, me, and then this kind of animatronic creature. And it's like this creature from the, I'm a kid. I have a messy room. Uh, I won't clean up my room. I won't throw away my toys. I go to school. She finds this book. She opens it up. The character from the book comes to life. I've seen that Tormentor. Like a big. He's like a big like pre-Barney Barney. This is the kind. 80s. Oh, yeah. This is like 1986. Um, so anyway, I'm, I, I'm in that. It's directed. I'm in that episode. It's directed by Joe Dante, who did Gremlins. Gremlins, man. Yeah. Um, and so, and this was like my first. I didn't like, I think, one soap opera, but like one, like one episode, like one scene. Look and at now you, I'm man. Doing this I whole love thing. it. And Joe Dante was great. It was an amazing experience. We shot at the Psycho House uh, on the Universal lot. And on the second you day. shot it there? Yeah, we shot oh, it there. That's cool. Um. And then Steven Spielberg pulled me aside and said, I just want to say, you know, I've, I've obviously worked with a lot of kids. And I'm, I'm like, I'm like, you've done E.T. Like, you're amazing. <laughs> uh, even at that time, I knew he was amazing. And he's like, I just want to say you're very, very you're professional. And it's very much appreciated. And I think I was like, well, top of the mountain. And I quit acting. Like, soon after. <laughs> I went to my parents. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Oh I wish God. they would have said... You know, why don't you take a break? Because you're a capricious. You thinking? I was seven. I was an idiot. I was a no, very you weren't dumb, an idiot. A dumb seven-year-old. Oh or my eight, god! Or however old I was, but I was kind of like, hey, top of the. Is it going to get better than that? No, that's the top of the mountain, man. He said I was a professional and a pleasure to work with. I'm done. Yeah. Um. He's. It would be hard to rank anyone ahead of him. Right. Um. Just because of like. He's made some of my all-time favorite yeah. movies. Yeah, Kubrick, he does everything. Kubrick might be number two for me. Right, uh, that's fantastic. Well, uh, good. It's deserved for this episode. And then maybe Fincher. Fincher's up there for me. See, he's in my top ten. Kubrick would be in my top ten for sure. It it's a big thing for me rewatchability. And yes, like Spielberg. Well, I who mean, else are you? Christopher Nolan. Oh, he's really good. Wes too. Anderson. Oh man, um, I I I absolutely adore him. Um, have you done a Wes Anderson episode? Uh, no, I'll have you back. Okay, if you need yeah, to have shake, me back, shake hands. For, oh on yeah, that, man, we'll do Wes Anderson. I, I am a. I love. I mean, you're wearing your, your I, team Zizu shirt right yeah, now. Yeah, I I adore. It's huge, my favorite film of his, Life Aquatic. Adore. Oh, we it. could we could just switch. Yeah, right we now. could just like we segue. could just cut and go right into that. <laughs> no, man. Well, you're coming back. Okay, you're good. You're coming back. We'll oh, do that man. one. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's so many. I've done directors. Find my directors episode. <laughs> oh man! All right, man. Uh, Mooney, we could be here all night. You're, yes. you're a great fun to chat with. Thanks oh, for thank coming you for on having the show. me. This yeah. is so much fun. Thanks for talking Kubrick. You made Kubrick entertaining as well. Because oh. a lot of people find him, you know, highbrow and intellectual. But yes. I think this was an animated, lively, entertaining one. And I'm pumped. I, I got to watch Shining again. Yes. I, I want now. I really want to. Sh- Doctor Strange Love again because it's been a few years. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll go back and check out The Killing because it's the only film of his I haven't seen. But uh, I hope the listeners enjoyed this. Uh, this is why Kubrick is a master. He truly is. He's just one of the greats. Uh, if you haven't seen his films, do yourself a favor, check him out. Definitely Full Metal Jacket. Definitely Strange Love. Definitely Clockwork Orange. The Shining. Definitely The Shining. Those are the top I feel four. like everyone's seen. I feel that's his, everyone knows The Shining. I feel yeah, like yeah. everyone's seen everyone. that movie. Yeah. All the other movies. I don't know if people have seen. No, them. No, I don't think so. So if you're a if you're a big movie fan, see those. And then you know if you got the time, 2001 and Barry Lyndon. <laughs> but you need a lot of time. Yeah, background noise. All right, man. Well, thanks a lot. Good night, everyone.
Thanks so much for listening to another new episode of Tony the Movie Guy, the podcast. Don't forget to leave your five-star iTunes reviews. Those are very helpful. And also, don't forget to follow us on all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Tony the Movie Guy. And we will see you in two weeks. Bye-bye.